Uh, there's a family in our church that with permission, I'm gonna share a little bit of their story, but they began to struggle, had some struggles in their family in the fall of 2022. And in, on January 14th of 2023, so nearly a year ago, uh, the husband found himself in his small group on a Sunday morning, and the lesson was on Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. The part about Jesus fasting prompted him to begin to consider fasting in his own life. He, redis he rediscovered a book he had read years earlier called The Power of Prayer and Fasting. It's by Ronnie Floyd, and he began to read it. Two weeks later, he began to find himself taking statements from that book and began to make them into specific prayer requests. One of them being this, that I might be energized, that I might be energized by hope that my most desperate, fearful, and confused moments would dissolve and dissipate in God's presence. The Lord used his circumstances, his small group, a book, and a Sunday sermon on Psalm 13 to move him to begin fasting on the last day of January in 2023. It's the first time he had fasted in over 20 years. He went on to fast one day a week, most every week for the next six months. And as he fasted, he used Psalm 13 and those specific prayer requests as guides in that time of fasting. And in the midst of the fast, things began to happen. On March 8th of last year, became a significant day for him and his family. And he found himself late at night sorting through his thoughts. And it hit him that he was to stand in the gap for his family. He wrote these words, my, this is my calling as sure as any other calling I've ever had is to stand in the gap for my family. And so over the next few months, as he continued to fast and pray, he began to see God do a work. And on June 21st, his family situation began to improve dramatically. In fact, that improvement still continues today. I shared this story with you this morning because it's a reminder to you and I about the importance of the spiritual discipline of fasting. Now, if you're like me, the idea of going without food does not sound fun. I like food. I like to make sure that my stomach is full at all times. And I like all kinds of food. But the spiritual discipline of fasting in the life of a believer puts us in a place that we find ourselves desperately depending upon God and growing in our intimacy with him. And this morning, we're gonna examine the spiritual discipline of fasting. We're to discover what it is and why we're expected to do it and what its purpose is. And so let's read Matthew chapter six. We're gonna read verses 16 through 18, and then we'll talk through our three points this morning. Verse 16 reads, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees it in secret will reward you. The first thing that we need to do is see the biblical significance this morning. And so we need to know what is biblical fasting. Now, 
Before I jump into kind of dissecting the text here, I'm gonna kind of take us a step back and kind of answer the question of what is biblical fasting? And, uh, And listen, biblical fasting, if you read in the scripture, is voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. And so if you read the Bible, most of fasting that you read about involves not taking in food for a spiritual purpose, that there's a reason uh, that God has put upon your heart to begin to fast. Now, fasting from other things beyond food is not commonly associated with re- references found, found for fasting found in scripture. Now, one of the most famous ones comes in Daniel chapter six, verse 18, when it says the king went to his palace, spent the night fasting, no diversions or some of your uh, translations might say no entertainment were brought before him and sleep fled from him. And so there is some, there is some extra, extracurricular things beyond food that might, we might fast from, and Daniel 6 is one of those that, that we look at. But the broader view of fasting for spiritual purposes, where a person abstains from food or denies himself the enjoyment of something other than food, is, is seen in Scripture. It's a biblical concept. Now, fasting was more prevalent in the Old Testament. When we read about the Old Testament, we see that even the nation of Israel, they had to fast on the Day of Atonement. It was something they had to regularly do. It was required of them. In the New Testament, some people say, we don't have to fast anymore because like, it's not commanded to us in the New Testament. Well, Jesus himself taught on fasting and he also fasted himself. And so as we're gonna learn today, we have the same responsibility. The purpose of fasting is to focus on God by humbling and reminding ourselves that we are sustained by every word of God. When we fast, we connect our going without to our hungering for God. Fasting is for believers in Christ only. Listen, this discipline has to be rooted in a relationship with Jesus and practice for the purpose of becoming more like Christ. There is no eternal value for a non-believer to fast. And I'll talk about that later on in the message. Now, the Bible distinguishes between several kinds of fast. So there's a whole list of them here. So if you're a note taker, I'm about to give you all the possible fast that are found in scripture. Number one, a normal fast. I don't know why they identified this one as a normal fast, but it's a normal fast. Here's what a normal fast is. It involves abstinence from food, but not from water. We see this in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 as they talk about Jesus being hungry, but not thirsty. That the body can, cannot go without water for 40 days, right? Unless it's a supernatural fast, right? That is something that God does uh, inside of us. Number two, a partial fast. This would be a limitation of a diet, but not abstaining from all food. Daniel 1 is a great example of this. If you know the story of Daniel, right? They said, let us just eat the vegetables, right? Let us just have vegetables and you give these other guys this and we'll show that we're stronger in this. And uh, there's even, you know, been a fast that's even been named after Daniel. There's the absolute fast. This is the avoidance of all food and liquid, even water. Esther 4.16 is one of the greatest examples found in this as the Jews were all called to fast for three days without food and water. There's a supernatural fast. This is like Deuteronomy 9.9 when it says, when I went up into the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, 
the tablets of the covenant that the Lord made with you. I remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights and to which Moses said, I neither ate bread nor drank water. That's a supernatural fast. A private fast. This is the one that is referred to most often in this chapter that we just read this morning of Matthew chapter six when he said, we should not fast in a way to be noticed by other people. There's a congregational fast. These types are found in Joel 2 or in Acts 13. If you remember in Acts 13, verse two, that all the believers were gathered there at the church at Antioch before they sent Paul and Barnabas out and it says they were worshiping and fasting. So there was a congregational fast. We as a church will have an opportunity if you choose to participate later this year in a time of prayer and fasting. We'll do a 21 day prayer and fast. And we will, as a congregation, come together and fast. There's a national fast. Second Chronicles 20 verse three says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Then there's a regular fast. This is something that happens on a regular schedule. Like every Jew was expected to fast on the day of atonement or in Luke 18 verse 12, it says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get that there's a const, there's this, there's this regular routine of fasting. And then there's the occasional fast that occurs on special occasions as needs arise. Most of the fasting that occurs today is normal, private, congregational, or occasional. And so what do we do with this? We understand what biblical fasting is. So now what we are expected to practice fasting. So let's take a look at this Matthew 6 passage. Jesus expected his followers to, that they would fast. By giving instructions on what to do and what not to do, we assume that they will fast, right? And it says, and when you fast. It doesn't say, and if you want to fast. It doesn't say, and if you feel like fasting. It says, and when you fast. Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount says, the expectation is, is that you are going to participate in fasting, this discipline of fasting. And when you fast, you are not to look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. The Greek word for when describes of being used of the things which one assumes will really occur. It was not if, but rather when. Jesus was making the assumption that his followers would practice the discipline of fasting. Jesus expected it, but he also warned against self-centeredness and attention-seeking exercises among them. I was, I'm gonna reference this show two or three times, but I was watching this show, it's called Limitless. It's with Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor in all the Marvel movies. He has a little documentary of these things that he went to do to try to meet with people to talk about how do, we, how do we have longevity in life, meaning how do we live our life in such a way that we can maximize the most years of, of this. And one of the things, one whole episode is on fasting. And listen, he let everybody know that he was fasting. I mean, the of course, everybody sees that you're watching it on TV, but like even the people he's around, he's like, I'm so hungry. I just want this bacon. You know, I'm having to cook for my kids and they're getting to eat this while I sit there and watch. Like he's letting everybody know about his fasting. Jesus warns against this self-centeredness and attention seeking that happens with fasting because Matthew 6 
contrast between the hypocritical, self-righteous attitude and those who are truly righteous. That's what Jesus is pointing out here. He's not condemning fasting. What he's condemning is the hypocrisy that comes when it's done for show. Fasting to appear spiritual to others is more like the Pharisees than Jesus. And when we fast, we have to center our life upon God. And it is about him, not us. Jesus in this teaching is reminding us not to look gloomy or sad-faced, that we have to fast. In fact, it should be the opposite. We should be moving through our normal day of life in our normal activities with the response to God in this fast that we're growing in intimacy with him. It's not something sad and gloomy. We're getting to know God in more intimate and real ways. Because remember, God sees our heart. He knows the motives and he knows why we do what we do. Now, if you flip over maybe a page or two in your Bible to Matthew chapter nine, let's, let's look at another section about fasting. The disciples asked a question about fasting in Matthew 9, and he's emphasizing that, listen, there's gonna be a time that you're, the disciples are going to fast. It says in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 9, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast? Let me say this about the disciples of John. These are the disciples of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in prison. So what is John the Baptist's disciples doing? They're kind of connected with the Pharisees on, the, on this issue of fasting. So they ask a legitimate question of Jesus. Why do, we and the, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? To which Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Listen, John's disciples had fasted as a sign and mourning of sin and to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. And now with John in prison, they find themselves aligned with the Pharisees in this practice of fasting because the custom for the Pharisees and those, those who were fasting is they fasted every Monday and every Thursday, two days a week. Now, when they fasted, they let everybody know that they were fasting, right? They, they publicized it. So the question being asked here is a legitimate question because they're wrestling with, why are the disciples of Jesus not fasting like the rest of us? And all throughout scripture, we see people fasting in times of disaster, mourning, repentance, sorrow over sin. And their fasting has focused their attention upon God and showed the change of heart and true devotion. Well, with the coming of Jesus, there is celebration and rejoicing because the Messiah has come. And because he's come, he's saying, there's no need to fast because I am with you. But there's gonna come a time when the bridegroom, when Christ is gonna be taken away and that is the time to fast. And so you and I who await his coming, the spiritual discipline of fasting needs to be evident in our life as we wait. Listen, there's gonna be a day that fasting will no longer be a spiritual discipline because we will eat at the Lord's table with him on a regular basis. And so that time is right now. And he expects us to regularly practice fasting in order that we might feast on more of him. And he gives us no, he gave us no command regarding on how often or how long we should fast, but like other spiritual disciplines, we have to guard against them becoming empty legalistic routines. But listen, we also should be doing them. 
So how long should we fast for? We should fast, uh, here, here, if you're a note taker, here's another list for you. These are how long you should fast for. So if you're thinking about, okay, if I'm supposed to be fasting, if that's what I do while I wait, then what, how long should I fast for? Well, here's a list for you to pick from. One day or a partial day. Now, some of you are like, that's my kind of fast. Second Samuel 1.12 says, and they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan, his son, and for the people of the Lord, for the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. But just one day, or not even a full day, just one partial day that they mourned and fasted. Daniel 6, 18, which I already read, talks about one night. They fasted for the night. He fasted from food. He, sleep fled from him. Entertainment kept, was kept away from him. Three days, Esther 4, which I already referenced earlier, that talks about a fast that they called the Jews to fast for three days with no food and water. 1 Samuel 31, 13 speaks of a seven-day fast. So you got one day or partial day. You got one night. You got three days, seven days. Acts 27, 33 through 34 tells of a 14-day fast. A day was about to dawn as Paul urged them to take some food, saying, today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food. 21 days. Daniel 10 refers to this when he speaks of a three-week time in which he fasted. 40 days, Matthew 4, 2 tells us that about Jesus' 40-day fast. There's also multiple Old Testament references regarding 40-day fast. And then there's unspecified links, like in Luke 2, 37, as it says, and then as a widow, until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So you're expected to fast as we wait for the Lord's return. But there's freedom to choose what does that fasting and discipline look like in your life. And it takes us to the final point, which is we practice fasting for spiritual purposes. Without a purpose, fasting can become a miserable, self-centered experience that is simply just about willpower and endurance. It's like that show Limitless I talked about. They talk about the importance of fasting in your health and longevity in life. They went through a four-day fast. He went four full days without no food. In fact, in order to have food to break the fast, he had to spear a fish in the Great Barrier Reef so that they could cook it in order for him to break the fast. And he had to do it while hungry. It was, a, it was this intense kind of moment. But listen, if there's no biblical purpose for your fast, it's just four days of misery. I mean, you're just starving yourself to starve yourself. Scripture sets forth many purposes for fasting and none of these purposes are to earn God's favor. Some of you might ask, hey, where's Jesus in all of this message today? I'll tell you where here Jesus is. Faith in the work of Jesus Christ makes us acceptable to God. None of our efforts, regardless of our intensity or sincerity, saves us. Only Jesus Christ's work on the cross saves us. And listen, if you're going to fast, that does not earn you God's favor. It does not earn you a trip into heaven. What a fast does is it creates you into a deeper, more intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ because of your faith in him, which saves you. And listen, having a biblical purpose for fast is important because the physical discomfort that you feel when fasting is unpleasant. Perhaps it's even painful but it is important to feel some degree of hunger during your fast. 
Listen, it is this hunger that helps you, serving as a continual reminder of your spiritual purpose. Like if I'm fasting when I'm hungry, it reminds me to pray for my spouse or when I'm working or driving or talking with somebody or sitting at the counter and I feel those pains of hunger, it is telling me and reminding me to speak to God and press into him and be sustained by every word that he preaches and proclaims. It's what Richard Foster said in his book, Celebration of Discipline. More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. That is the wonderful benefit of the true disciple who longs to be transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside of us with food and other good things, but in fasting, these things surface. If pride controls us, it'll be revealed almost immediately. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, fear, if they are within us, they will come out in fasting because fasting reveals what controls us. And as believers, you who fast for one, uh, we should fast for one of the following spiritual reasons. Again, it's another list for you. You should fast because it expresses or deepens our hunger for God. When you fast, you're hungering for God to give you a fresh encounter, to answer a specific prayer request, to save someone, to work powerfully within our church, to guide and protect us. Listen, anytime we fast from something that we've become dependent upon, we are practicing the difficult work of saying no in order to say yes to more of God. And as I talked about, right? Listen, we're overnourished in our life. Like literally with food, like that's one of the things the Limitless Sheds is that in America particularly, we're overnourished with food. Food is easily at our disposal. We can grab of it and keep ourselves nourished. But let me just say this, we're overnourished not just with food, but with all things in life, content, media, and all of these things. And what fasting does is we say no to these things that often control us and that we think to so that we can say yes to a more intimate relationship with Jesus so that we can deepen our hunger for him. And when we're fasting, we become one with God, offering him time and attentiveness that we might've otherwise been giving to eating and shopping and social media and whatever else we put on that list. Fasting also teaches us another purpose that God's word nourishes us. Matthew 4, if you wanna flip over to verses one through four, it says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's quoting Deuteronomy 8, three through five. Talks about the 40 years that Israel wandered in the wilderness and that they depended upon daily manna to sustain them. Listen, God through the process taught them that through their hunger, they needed to depend upon God's word to sustain them. And Jesus reminds us that food alone cannot sustain us. We need to be nourished by the word of God. Foster is Richard Foster said, fasting reminds us that we are sustained by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Food does not sustain us, God sustains us. Therefore, in experiences of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food as we are feasting upon the word of God and on Christ himself. Fasting is feasting, as he would say. 
Another spiritual purpose is, is that fasting teaches us that doing God's will will sustain us. If you read John 4, the woman at the well, remember the disciples went to town to get food while he talked to the woman at the well. And when they came back, they offered Jesus food and he told them, I don't need anything to eat. And they were perplexed by his answer. Like, did somebody bring him food? Because what did he tell them? He told them and reminded them that doing the will of the father is what matters most. And so there's this, there's this idea that I'm gonna fast so that I can take in God's words, that his words will sustain my life. Another spiritual purpose is that it teaches us that Jesus alone satisfies us. We know this from John 6 when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And when you fast and you press into Jesus in those moments of hunger, those moments of deprivation of you're doing something beyond food, you feast upon Jesus. Another spiritual purpose is fasting helps us strengthen our prayer life. There is something about fasting that sharpens the edge of our intercessions and deepens the passion of our supplication. Listen, the people in the Bible so often fasted when they felt a special urgency about something they needed to take before God. Fasting does not change God's hearing as much as it changed your praying. That when we fast and pray and we take this before God, it's not about changing God's mind and trying to manipulate him in some way by us going without something so that we can give more of him. No, it's about in that moment, he begins to change our praying. Fasting helps us, another purpose, to seek God's guidance. While fasting does not ensure a certainty of receiving such clear guidance from the Lord, it does make us more receptive to God who is the one who loves to guide us. Another purpose, fasting helps us express our grief. So often reading in the Old Testament, Israel often wept and fasted before the Lord to express grief for those that they lost in their life. But there are also Christians who have also fasted in history because of grief of their sin and as a means of expressing grief for the sins of others. Fasting helps us seek deliverance or protection. You got something in your life where you need deliverance from or protection from? One of the most common fasts in biblical times were people seeking salvation from enemies in circumstances and victory in those moments. Fasting rather than fleshly efforts should be one of our first defenses against the persecution of our faith. Fasting helps us express repentance and return to God. When we do this, and this is the purpose behind what we're doing, when we express our repentance and return to God by fasting, it signals a commitment to obedience in a new direction. Fasting, another spiritual purpose, is it humbles oneself before God. When we fast, the first thing we notice is our emptiness. We start to see that deep down, we're not very patient, we're not content, we're not as independent or as strong as we might've thought. But that's not the end, it's the beginning because true life is found in true emptiness because of Jesus. Another spiritual purpose, fasting expresses concern for the work of God. Just as a parent might fast and pray out of concern of the work of God in the life of their child, so Christians may fast and pray because they feel a burden for the work of God on a relatively broad scale. Fasting helps us minister to the needs of others. 
Listen, when you fast and you become more attuned to the reality of the world's sufferings. You know, we were watching that show, our kids were watching it with us and they see this tribe that the only time that they eat is when they kill something. And, and our boys are like, they don't have any other food except for what happens. Like the, and our, like our boys, be, because we're having this conversation about fasting because of the show, we began to talk about that when we fast, we actually become aware of the world's sufferings around us. Fasting also helps us overcome temptation and dedication and, and ded- we dedicate ourselves to the Lord. And finally, another spiritual purpose is it helps us to express love and worship to God. When our fast is rightly motivated, we can be sure that God will bless us and do so in a way with infinite wisdom because he knows what is best, even if it's not the way we wanted. In the summer of 2005, I was serving as a part-time student pastor, my first time to take students to False Creek. Listen, I had no business probably doing that at 19, 20 years old. And the majority of the students that were remaining in that student ministry group were like juniors and seniors in high school. Like we would have been in the same youth group just a year before, right? Or two years before. Listen, I didn't know what I was doing, except that I knew I was responsible for 44 people to take them to camp. And then As you can imagine, I felt everything that you can feel. I felt nervousness, excitement, the weight of leading students, the stress and happiness that comes. But there is one thing I can remember experiencing specifically. I had had an expectation that God was gonna do something great. And that expectation caused me to go before the Lord in prayer and fasting in the months leading up to camp. As a young minister, I needed to be fully dependent upon the Lord. I had no idea what I was doing. And so through prayer and fasting, I was asking for and expecting that God would do something special in our midst. So as the week of camp unfolded, Jesus was at work, as he always is at False Creek. And he was revealing himself. He was inviting our people to respond. He was adding people to his family. And it was remarkable to watch. And really, it's seared in my mind forever. It's one of those spiritual markers of my life of what happened. Because here's what happened. When the week ended and we loaded up on Saturday morning, out of those 44 people who were there, 22 of them had made a spiritual decision. And the majority of them were salvation, including adults that had come with us. I share that story as an encouragement, just like I did at the beginning of the message because of this. Fasting is a discipline that connects us with the heart of the Father in an incredible way and reminds us that miracles are found in fasting. That God does supernatural things in the midst when we take, when we say no to something that we constantly hold on to and controls us and we say yes to intimacy with God. And so I invite each of you today to consider fasting and building it into the rhythm of your life in whatever form or fashion, because fasting is a spiritual discipline like prayer and giving, and all three require that we give up something to gain something better. And as you consider fasting, I think there's three steps you follow. Determine the purpose of your fast. Determine how your fast is gonna go, the nature of it. And then begin to prepare your heart, your mind, and your body to fast. 
and I'll actually say the fourth thing and then expect God to do something. Let's pray together this morning.